in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll get back to you on that. Goodbye and good luck, Tom Brady. And goodbye and uh, not so good luck to Joe Biden. Oh, boy, he's going down. The FBI searching his his summer home in uh, Delaware. He's got a beach house in addition to all the other houses. The FBI there this morning. Their repeat, their, the report is they found no classified documents. However, they found some documents that require further review. Hmm. Uh, this is this is not normal. This is uh, not normal stuff. This is... <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. Uh, If we didn't have such a corrupt media, uh, we would have one of those countdown clocks on every television, every cable news station in the world that would say uh, countdown to resignation, right? Countdown to resignation. The pressure uh, on anyone else would be so enormous. Now, behind the scenes, what's happening here? What is happening? We all know that Joe Biden is a thoroughly corrupt individual. That's why they chose him. That's why they chose him. That and his uh, severe intellectual limitations. That's why they picked him. In fact, uh, let's see here. Uh, this this defines Joe Biden, okay? This is why they picked him. He's always been like this. This is all the way back in 1987, please. Cut 34. Yeah. But I've learned one thing since I've decided to run for president. And I assume one thing. Everything about me. Everything about me is going to come out in the public record. And I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. Yeah, dumb things again. This time, though, we're paying the price, okay? You're the president of the United States. You're not some no, senator from some jerkwater state. Yes, I'm talking about you, Delaware. Tiny little dinky state, smaller than Suffolk County. You sent this guy to the United States Senate, huh? This 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 guy, what, what did he bring to the table other than those teeth and a handshake? Hi, I'm Joe Biden. That's what you did. That's what you fell in love with. And we're living with the consequences. Oh, gosh, it's disgusting. It really is. So they picked him, though. They picked him because he was, well, so vulnerable, vulnerable to um, manipulation, to you got to do this or else or else they could pull the trigger on him. At any time, and I think they pulled the trigger on him. All right, so he stood for nothing. He's always meant, you know, going with the wind, whatever sounds great in the moment. No principles whatsoever. This was the way to get power, all right? Cooperate with us. Go totally crazy, woke. You know, Joe Biden, uh, Scranton Joe, is the champion of uh, transgender children. How about that for national priorities, okay? Because he'd sign up for anything. To protect himself, to enhance himself, to protect Hunter Biden, to enhance Hunter Biden, right? Just keep it all going on. And you got to go back. One of the reasons why he was selected to be vice president, in addition to the stuff I just mentioned, vice president back in 2008, you can look it up. They said this at the time because he poses no political threat to Barack Obama. Every president wants a vice president that doesn't steal the spotlight. Okay, you need and isn't going to mount a uh, political challenge. You need somebody good, but not great. And that was Joe Biden, although he was bad. Uh, He could masquerade as good. 
You couldn't have Joe. And they wrote about this at the time. One of, one of the things Joe Biden had going for him in 2008 is that he would never be president. He understood that. He understood he would never run for it. He's too old and he's too, you know, Joe Biden. Um, and one of the reasons why they made him president this time is because it was kind of understood. Joe, he's not going to run for re-election. And all of a sudden he's he went rogue. He kind of went rogue. What happened over Christmas, he goes to, where the hell is it, uh, St. Croix at some other billionaire's house for a free vacation, and he tells the reporters that, hey, do we have the Tom Brady stuff yet? Let me know when we do. How about that guy retiring, huh? We got it? I can't tell what that means. You guys are, okay, Tom Brady retired. I'll get to him in a second. Anyway, he went to St. Croix and said, I may run for president after all, and that got Obama mad. All right. That got Obama really mad. This guy works for us. He thinks he's in charge. No. Hence the FBI at his house today and last week and the week before and in November. (laughs) Uh, The jig is up. Uh, So what do we got here? All right. Tom Brady retiring. Can I hear this thing? He goes to the beach, looks right into the camera. This guy has been heavily... uh, uh, surgicalized his whole you can tell this is a he's whoever's plastic surgeon and he's good but hey he's an amazing athlete great skill great discipline good for him all right roll the tape please good morning guys i'll get to the point right away i'm retiring for good i know the process uh was a pretty big deal last time so when i woke up this morning i figured I just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever. There's too many. Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. All right. All right. Good for him. Good for him. Thanked uh, a lot of uh, friends, families. I don't want to, I don't want to nitpick. Does Tom think he did all that himself? Does Tom Brady think he, he did that? Was it all him? A lot of it was him. The nutrition, uh, the crazy practice schedule, you know, very few people are going to get up at 4.30 in the morning and work out and uh, throw footballs and stuff like that. No, very few people will do that. They want to do it, but they, they won't do it. Everybody wants to win the Super Bowl, but you don't want to do the stuff that you got to do to win the Super Bowl. It just, it's just it's too hard. Um, But I think God had a lot to do with it, don't you? I don't know. I guess that's between. A lot of people don't like to talk about God in, in, in public, right? You know? After all, you might uh, annoy a sponsor, right? You might annoy someone. You know, we're going to, uh, that's how we're chasing God out of the public square, all in fear, in fear, or just laziness. Uh, we'll, we'll take care of that later. We'll acknowledge all the gifts that we've received later. We'll get around to it at some point, right? Hmm. All right, goodbye to him. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that. I guess we should get the sports guy in and, he can say something about it, but I'm not a big football fan. Hey, I will admit this, and who hasn't? Who has not at some point envied these guys? Envy. Jealous, right? 
quarterback, Super Bowl, all that money, all that fun, all that attention, right? You want it for yourself, don't you? Yeah, me too. And then you get some of it. And you realize, or they get some of it. How many times do we have to see the story? Or they, you, hear, you hear about it. They get it, and it's not all that. It's not what they thought it would be. Who's that guy? Deion Sanders. Was he? What did he play? Wide receiver or something like that? He was a great football player. Uh, and he wins the Super Bowl. And he's driving home. And he's talked about this publicly. He's like, is that all there is? <laughs> it's... It, I'm supposed to be on top of the world right now, and I'm not. It's not filled the void that's in my life. And this is in the Bible as well. It's actually in, I think the book is in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes. Is that how you say it? Talk about how when you get, you just want more. And when you get even more, it doesn't satisfy you. Only God can really fill that gap. And uh, what else? You've seen this in your life. I mean... Most people make more money when they're 32 than when they're 22 and 42 than when they're 22. But does their happiness go up? Does their sense of satisfaction? The more you get, the more you consume, the more you buy. So you're always living in the same perpetual state of anxiety. This is in the Bible. This is actually in the Bible. There's so many, like, really uh, practical uh, words of advice. Rich people are some of the most neurotic, crazy people out there because they're afraid, in part, of losing all that stuff. I saw a study once that the most, the happiest people tend to make, on average, $50,000 a year. That's like the sweet spot for income. You got enough. You're not freaked out about losing it. You know if you lose that job, you can get another one probably. But these, uh, these hedge fund guys, you know, there are only like four firms in the world that do that kind of stuff. Where are they going to go? They, 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 they live in fear. And uh, we shouldn't live that way. I don't think God wants us to live that way. All right, enough. I don't want to. I don't want to. Hey, does anybody remember? Oh, I hope you saw my Newsmax show last night. Because I, uh, I outlined this. I read it in the paper, and then I dug a little deeper. Here is a local news report talking about how they threw all the standards out in the Memphis Police Department. And this is one year ago. The Memphis Police Department, and those five guys losing it, this is a time bomb, a ticking time bomb. This is from January 27th of 2022. Fox 13, Memphis. Cut 23, please. It's been three weeks since Memphis police launched the new Scorpion unit. The unit was created to address violent crimes throughout the city. Since its start just three weeks ago, the Scorpion unit has made 338 arrests, including 125 felony arrests, and they've recovered 95 weapons. Good for them. All right, everybody likes a Scorpion unit. But here's the problem. You got a new unit. The entire department is in a free fall. A total free fall. Cut 21, please. The most controversial change may be in the way MPD is looking at candidates' police record. Yes, a criminal record. We are taking uh, a really close look at candidates that have small infractions um, on their, um, if there's whether it's a criminal record or whether it's um, records regarding employment stability or driving history. We're looking at those and we're looking at them on a case-by-case basis. I took it a step further and checked with the Post Commission. That's the Tennessee Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission. 
Any law enforcement agency can ask for a waiver. The rule reads in part, the commission may waive requirements for a person who has been convicted of or pleaded guilty to any felony charge relating to force, violence, excluding domestic violence, theft, dishonesty, gambling, or liquor charges. Violent felony assault. You can be guilty of that and still become a Memphis police officer. This was this was just waiting to happen. I'll be right back. Thank you. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, where's my guitar? There we go. Anyway, um, how many elected officials are there in the entire country? If you add them all up from, you know, state assemblymen, county legislators, all that stuff. Elected officials in America. There are, I think there are like 5,000, 3,000. Let's see here. Uh, Shoot, I thought that'd be an easy thing. Which go? Uh, I don't know. Damn it, eight thousand, ten thousand. Uh, there are a lot. All right, there are so many. Uh, 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 this website says there are eight thousand five hundred and sixty-two. Eight thousand five hundred and sixty-two. If you count them all up, all right. About um, eighty-five hundred of them could do a better job than Joe Biden. What the hell happened to him? Yeah, this is bad even for him. Could almost hear him here. He's speaking at the the West Side Rail Yard. You heard this, right? Cut twenty eight, please. Cut twenty eight. There's nothing we can't do. Nothing. When the hell has America ever, ever, ever set a goal that it didn't reach? When has it ever? Name me a time. Name me a time <laughs> when America's gone through a crunch and didn't come out stronger on the other side than went in. This guy's been in politics since 1970, and he doesn't know how to talk to people. He doesn't know how to t- Who on earth would do that? 8,560 would not. You don't show up. People who have been elected dog catcher, you know, know not to talk like that. That's just crazy stuff. The man is losing it. The man is totally losing it. The other thing he did, which is really bizarre, um, it was drizzling at the White House yesterday. So he approaches the reporters, and he knows he has an excuse. I can see it in his face. You're not going to be able to see what I'm playing here, but let's try. Cut 30. All right, so there's a question from a reporter. He sees his chance. He runs right up to this reporter who's holding an umbrella and grabs her hand, puts his hand on top of hers as she's holding the umbrella. You know what we call that? What we used to call that? You never should have done it, but uh, it's copping a feel. He got some little perverse pleasure out of that. Grabbing that hand. It's so, it's, I would never, ever. You can't touch some woman you don't know. You're not dating. You're not married to. Touch her hand if you're not shaking it. When is that ever, 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 ever appropriate? It's not. He's the president of the freaking United States. I shouldn't say freaking. You know what I mean. Um, 
And Joe, we told we talked to you about this. In fact, your own party, the Democrat Party, stepped forward and said, Joe, back off, dude. You remember? This is the I think this is the third time your campaign was in a free fall uh, death spiral. And you had to apologize with a with a very strangely produced video. But you you did apologize and you promised you wouldn't do any of this crap again. Cut 31, please. Cut 31. Social norms have begun to change. They've shifted. And the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it. I get it. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. And I'll be much more mindful. That's my responsibility. My responsibility, and I'll meet it. Um, no, he won't. No, he won't. It's like everything else. He doesn't learn from his mistakes. He, uh, he tells lies over and over and over again. And uh, here's evidence of that, by the way. Uh, this phony story about the Amtrak guy, cut 32. When I was vice president, I flew over a million miles on Air Force Two. And I was uh, going home as a United States, uh, as vice president. And one of the conductors said to me, hey, Joe, big deal. Million, whatever, 200. You said, you've, oh, you've traveled over a million miles on Amtrak. I said, How the hell do you know that? And they added it up. But, but folks, look. But folks, look. All right. <laughs> He's told that story before. It's been pointed out to him many, many, many times. Uh, even if we're sympathetic and we take, we average all of these crazy numbers you're throwing out, there's no way you traveled on Amtrak more than anything, and you got to stop telling this dopey story. Uh, cut 33, please. This is a montage of Joe Biden repeating that um, that phony baloney tall tale. Fastidious record of the miles you travel in an America in a Air Force aircraft as president, vice president. And toward the end of my term, fourth or fifth years, president, vice president, seven years in, headline came out in all the papers, Biden travels, I think it was 1.3 or 1.7 million miles, a million 400,000 miles, 1 million, I think, don't hold me exact, I think it was 350,000 miles, a million 200,000 miles, 1 million 300,000 miles on Air Force One. And a guy named Angelo Negri came up, he goes, Joey, baby, grabbed my cheek like that. He said, big deal, Joey. Anyway, right? Joey Negri was dead at that point. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How does that sound, huh? It's one thing when the FBI looks at a former president's house, but they looked at a sitting president's house, Joe Biden. They went into his house. Oh, uh, full cooperation. Nobody wants the FBI rummaging through their stuff. <laughs> Nobody. And oh, by the way, well, he cooperated. Maybe he shouldn't have cooperated. You know, a subpoena is not like uh, it's it's not like a command from God. You you have to. You know, okay, who were you? Let's talk about this. Where did this come from? What's your predicate? What's going on? You know, just like okay, oh oh, that's it. Uh, we haven't taken a call yet. And Mary is in Manhattan. You've called before. Where in Manhattan are you, Mary? Um, I'm on the Upper West Side. How are you, Greg? Wonderful. Love your guitar. What'd you say? I said, I love your guitar. What are you talking about? I don't have a... What do you mean by that? Before, you were saying, where's my guitar? Oh, 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 oh that little... The jingle. I love that music. The jingle. Right, saying. right. It, it felt, yeah, yeah. It felt um, empty without it. So, uh, anyway, what's going on? Well, what's going on is you started out talking about the Bible, and um, last week you mentioned the UN, and I have an interest in, like, the origins of the UN and everything, but because you're a believer... 
as I am, um, I can say, and I think your audience is the same, that the, in nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about world peace. That is a uh, post-World War II slogan of the UN. That's their shtick, their spiel. World peace, it is not a biblical tenet. And it's also, well, the only way there will be world peace is if Jesus Christ is in the heart of every man. That's it. But I want to, one more plug. Now, um, hold on a second. Wait, 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 wait. The word peace is throughout the Bible, as you know. The word peace is everywhere. And then there is that, that line from Jesus where he says, I did not come to uh, unite, but to divide. And it's like, the first time I read that, I was like, what the hell is going on here? Okay, it doesn't, it sounds so so contrary to what, you know, but then you go deeper and then you realize, you understand what he's talking about, okay? And there are things more important than harmony. There are things more important than you know, there can be complete tranquility um, in a place like in a totalitarian state. And we don't want that. But, yeah, I kind of know what you mean. All right. Anything else? Yeah, just that the peace sign itself was designed in the 1950s, I guess, for the U.N. And what it is is an upside down broken cross. That's ups- what really? Is that what that is? Uh, we, yes. We grew up with this. That's we interesting. You're right about that. You're right. You're you're right. And actually, throughout the Bible, they do talk about war as if it's an inevitability. Now, we don't want war. War should only be fought as a last resort, I believe, because horrible things happen in war. People don't understand that. People like Paul Wolfowitz, people like George W. Bush, they think, oh, our military is so precise and we get a surgical strikes. No, shut up. That's a bunch of crap. You don't know what you're talking about. You send uh, 150,000 guys, 18 to 23, with guns into a faraway country, bad stuff is going to happen, by definition. Anyway, uh, that's interesting. Now, is that your theory, or did you read that about the cross? Mary? Uh Uh-oh. Is it something we said? She's still on hold. What's going on? All right, never mind. Uh, To hell with you when you're... (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Mike DiDino joins us uh, for commentary on the whole Tom Brady situation. He's our chief sports guy. And uh, so, pal, what do you think? Uh, Tom Brady is done. And your reaction, what is the sports world saying? They don't like that guy. Half the sports world hates him. Why? I don't think that's true. You know, I mean, I always well respected. Well respected, but you're always giving him a hard time. People, people love to people love to hate Tom Brady. There is that contingent out there. Do people hate success? All right. Enough with the philosophical, all right? All right? I mean, you <laughs> you know, right, you know, I'm, I mean, am I making it up? I always hear grumblings and grumblings about Tom Brady. I mean, I guess he's, I would say he's pretty respected by the media, but, you know, somebody like him is always going to get hate no matter what he does. But to answer your first question, the consensus seems to be not a total surprise to see him retire. Now, a fun fact, you remember he retired last year, right? mm same exact day, one year ago. Hmm. And then he eventually came back 40 days later to unretire. So everybody thinking and asking if he's going to unretire again, the answer to that question is a simple and flat-out no. All he's right. not going to unretire. What is, the, uh, what is the role of Giselle in all of this? Funny enough, Giselle commented it on his post that he put up today. I think he played it earlier in the show. He posted a little Instagram story. Yeah. On his um, page. Well, a little Instagram story. That was the announcement. Well, that, was of the, the announcement. that was the As a matter of fact, we have it. You want to listen to it one more time? Let's listen to it. Tom Brady retiring t- uh, take two. 
Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Uh, wow, all right, good for him. It's probably gonna be pretty wild. You take, you're one guy, you take out a phone on a beach in Costa Rica at, at seven fifteen in the morning, and then uh, it's it's five minutes later. It's on every TV station in the world. It's the biggest story in the world for about a half hour, and then we all move on. He was in Costa Rica. Yes. What's he doing down there? I'm not sure. Probably vacationing, taking how, some time away from it. How do we know it's Costa Rica? I saw it. I thought that looked like Tampa. Those buildings look like Tampa to me. Oh, I thought I think it was Costa Rica, but uh, that could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, but to go back, Giselle commented on this post and said. Wishing you only wonderful things in this new chapter of your life. Well, that's the prenup talking. Okay, that's the uh, that's that's the lawyers talking. We will uh, respect each other, and we will. I I don't know. I well, that sounds very corporate to me. Oh, very, very. very now, do you corporate. think they'll get back together? A love uh, story like that just ends. Just uh, ends. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I guess chivalry's dead. Uh, what do you mean by that? I don't know. You'd think a couple like that. Well, chivalry would... has nothing to do with it. People get divorced. You can be chivalrous and yeah. divorced. All I just right. felt like it sounded right. It's to say. Exactly, exactly. All right, so let's talk about you, Mike. Uh, what's your title right now? Um, my title is digital content creator. Digital content creator. Do you? Do we have a guy named Nelson who works here? Uh, not that I know of. All right. So uh, and so far, so good. I mean, how do you like it? Uh, a lot of you know, a lot of comings and goings lately. Uh, you know, you're good. Yeah, man. Uh, working really hard, probably harder, not probably, working harder than I ever have in my entire life. And, you know, starting to see some of the success in the website and the social media pages. So it's nice to see the hard work start to pay off. All right. Excellent. In terms of monetarily? Oh, you mean like the website traffic and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, the website traffic's doing well. Um, good month of January. How's the fantasy football? Are you still doing that? I've geared away for that a little bit. I also wanted to tell you something about betting. Wait, I think, wait, 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 hold on. Right. Fantasy. I'm so glad that you. It sounded like a kid. It sounds like a kids' game to me, and I know adults do it. Fantasy football. I mean, you should be fantasizing about other things. I'm. So, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, why did you move away from it? Well, I moved away from using the content on WABC a little bit, just because you know it's a New York radio station. It shouldn't be a fantasy football station. So I've geared away for it in that sense. Um. It has a lot to do with... Maturity. No. You're growing up. No. I still will always play fantasy, oh. but it ruins the game for me. I don't enjoy watching the game. There's too much involved. You put too much pressure on yourself. I also wanted to tell you, I think I'm retiring from gambling. How about that? Did you have an issue with gambling? No. I mean, I lost some bad bets and... How much alt, alt, no, in your whole life, how, would, how much would you have, do you guess? I don't know. It's a tough, it's a tough estimation. But you have good weeks, you have bad weeks. But the the bad weeks always outweigh the good weeks. And when you win, it's never enough. And when you lose, you try to make it back and yeah. you lose more. And most most importantly, you don't enjoy the games when you watch. I mean, I, I lost I lost a bet on the Bills Bengals game. I remember you actually said you watched that the snow game, 
and I lost a bet on the last play of the oh. game, and I got pissed. I like threw my phone and. All right, no, that's good. That's good. I actually wondered sometimes why you guys were so into these games, and. I kind of figured out a lot of you are betting on it. Oh, that's, everyone's betting on it. I mean, that's why. Like, why else? I even thought about maybe I should bet because I don't see the appeal. I don't. I. I everyone's screaming their heads off, wearing some guy's name on their back. I'm like, I, 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 but the money part when something doesn't make sense, there's usually money involved. All right, Mike Dino, you got it all going on. Not yet, but and one uh, day. keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate you as Thank always. You. All right. Uh, with that. Uh, yeah, two minutes. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, no uh, AP African studies in high schools. AP, advanced placement courses. That's like taking college courses in high school. I took a few of those. Uh, I took European history. I took AP history. I took something else. I think I was in AP Physics for some strange reason and quickly dropped that course. Oh, AP French Literature. In fact, I got about a semester, almost a year's worth of college done. Did I ever tell you I finished college in three years? I did, actually. Um, but I hung around for a, for the last senior year and took one class because I just wasn't ready to leave college. I had some other things. I wanted to remain a student, but those AP classes are pretty good not that I was an ace of the, I wasn't a great student, but I was pretty. I always took a big course load, uh, and I, I shouldn't have done that. But uh, all right, so there will be no AP African studies, and you can have African studies, you can have Black studies, and that's great actually. A lot to learn about Africa, uh, but 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 in this current moment where the sixteen nineteen project prevails. Uh, which is all fake news, fake history. Any historian will tell you it's you got to get in deep to find out what's going on here. Now, one thing they say, the 1619 Project tries to say that uh, slavery brought about something called double. What do they call it? Double line accounting. I can't remember. Double column accounting. And it was very significant because that's. That's how they managed slaves in the South with double. But that form of accounting was actually developed in, uh, in like the medieval, in the Renaissance in Italy. And so what they try to say, like the slave trade is, lives on today in this very basic form of accounting that apparently every CPA knows about. It's like, what do they call it? It's a double entry accounting, I think it's what it's called. And whatever it is, it's very basic to uh, business and the 1619 Project tried to say, yeah, but it was invented to manage slaves. Well, it's not true. It was invented by some very smart Italian merchant in like 1500. Uh, nice try. Nice try. What's her name? Uh, the, the 16, Nicole Hannah-Jones. And she's got a new TV series on Hulu. Uh, and this is a problem. All these journalists think that they can be... Uh, the next, um, oh, who's that person who's a content creator on Netflix and make a hundred million dollars. I mean, they were throwing around a lot of money for a long time and just any, every Tom, Dick and Harry now can get a, a Netflix show or a Showtime show. And this has really had a terrible effect on the reporters. Do you remember, what was that movie called again? All the president's men with Bob Woodward and 
Carl Bernstein, played by, at, in, at the time, 1976, they were depicted by Robert Redford and, who was the other guy, the short, Dustin Hoffman, the two most famous actors in the world. And this sent a horrible message to reporters everywhere. You, too, can be a superstar. Forget the truth. You got to think about your career. You got to think about show business. You got to think about books and movies and TV series and every, every, really bad at the times now. You think they're interested in writing columns and writing articles? No, they want, they want the big, 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 big money. And, um, and they try for it. They grasp at it. Um, and some of them are making big, 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 big money. And when there's so much cash around, do you think the truth is really motivating them? It's not. It's not. A great example of this, quite frankly, is Maggie Haberman's book. You know, The Con Man, President Trump, The Con Man. She calls him Confidence Man to sound, make it sound a bit more literate than it is. Terrible book, full of mistakes. Uh, I mean, basic, you know, black and white, totally wrong uh, I'm just a lazy reporter putting stuff together because there's a payday in it for me. You know, in the old days, like Robert Caro would write a book. It would take him five years to do it. He'd study Lyndon Johnson by living. You know, he'd rent a house on Lyndon Johnson's street in Texas. Even you know, tw- 20 years after he's dead, he's living on the street trying to inhale what it was like to be Lyndon Johnson on this dirt road in Texas. And now we just have people sitting on stupid computers turning out crap tweeting all day long taking their tweets and making it into a book that's what's happening right now and it's really bad it's bad for the truth it's bad for you bad for me bad for the country uh larry is uh, standing by he's in brooklyn yes hi yeah hi greg you know what you were saying earlier about uh you know people are afraid to bring god into the discussion you know, I, I give you a lot of credit for saying that because people don't have the guts to say it on the air. And that what's going on today is all a refutation of God, and it's being disguised as some kind of communist socialist movement. I mean, we were talking about a few days about binary. You you almost hit the issue on the head. Uh-oh. I mean, it, it, it says in the Bible that God created male both, male and female. That's where the binary is. When they say non-binary, that's a direct refutation of God in the Bible. You can't get any more direct than that. So this isn't about communism. I mean, I don't understand why people, when, when you take away the wealth of people, usually settled people have wealth, people that are blessed, people that have ordered lives that believe in God. They want to strip those people of their wealth and give it to the non-believers. That's what, it's not communism. Mm. Hey, a lot of what you're saying, it speaks to me. It speaks to me. What else? Keep talking. Okay. There's other things too. Like for example, um, this whole thing with abortion, with late term abortion. Yeah. People are not conscious that they that they're committing murder because they're so caught up in rebelling against God to show that they can have any kind of uh, sexual relations that they want with no restraint. Even if you say you have to get an abortion uh, after the second trimester, that's still a restraint. You can't do it in the third. So God forbid you're going to be inhibited from some sexual act, some some perverted sexual act, or some a prohibited sexual act in the Bible. And that doesn't stop there. All right, all right, um, all right. We're, we're going to have to stop. I Look, a lot of what you say makes a lot of sense. I'm going to say that, uh, uh, yeah, 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 this whole, this whole thing about my identity, everything about who I am is based on 
who I have sex with, you know, based on my sexuality. Like that's as if that's the most important thing that defines, I mean, if you come over to my house, Larry, or uh, somebody else, uh, the last thing we're going to talk about is that kind of stuff. I just don't even find it interesting. Do you, Larry? It's not interesting to talk about that, right? No, I mean, they keep adding ed- letters to LBG2Q because you go from one thing that's that was it's impermissible by the Bible, which is homosexuality. That's like a, a sin to say. And then you have to expand it to show your further. All right, now, hold on a second. Hold on. There is this one thing, though, and I people go right. You know, Jesus has that whole uh, discussion about eunuchs. You know, he says that and some people are born and they will not be married. You know, all that stuff. You know, I... I <laughs> I read the Bible, as you know, and it's just interesting that some people read the Bible and they go right to, no homosexuality. Like, that like just shuts down the conversation for a lot of people. And as you know, the Bible is a much, very layered and, 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 and at times very nuanced, Larry. You know, it's one little frustration I have because sometimes it's like, it's like if you came to America, oh, this is the best country in the world. I love it. Do you know we have Gitmo? Have you ever heard of Gitmo? You know, do you know we have a prison that's called Supermax and they're depriving everybody of their civil rights? we got a great country, yet some people insist on, I don't know. But, Larry, I appreciate it all. Where in Brooklyn are you? Um, we're in the Flatbush section. All right, excellent. Hey, where is that, by the way? You know, I know Flatbush Avenue, but where is Flatbush? Where- there are no, by the way, there are no Flatbushes here. And more accurately, I'm mm. in the Midwood section of Brooklyn. Which oh, is supposedly yes, of course. The safest, uh, you know, neighborhood. Where is it? Did you go to Midwood High School? Yes, it's it's Midwood High School. Exactly. And it's a very good high school. Like a lot of brainiacs went there. I think you got to be very, very smart to get in. Larry, I appreciate it very much. Hey, Christine's going to want to say something about what you just said. Christine from Middletown, welcome back. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Uh, first of all, the um, non-binary thing. I think that thing is a um, based on a delusion, and I said so today at the Connecticut State Board of Education meeting in Hartford to, this oh. morning. Um, I told them that. that Telling kids that these different pronouns, I said you were either born male, female, or some people were born intersex. I said there's only two genders, not three or 53. And how are we encouraging people to grow up to be a they, them, or be proud to have an X on their driver's license, Greg? Yeah. Christine is uh, Christine happens to be transgender and happens to be very conservative and only made the transition when she was in her 50s. I am sometimes worried about you, Christine, showing up at these meetings and all these people and protesters. I worry that you're going to get punched in the face someday. <laughs> do, you, do you ever worry about that? Because you really throw them for a loop. You throw the woke left for a big time loop. Are you ever worried about your yeah. safety? Not yet, but uh, the trans activists. I'll tell you what, to, to say they are not kind to me is an understatement. But I stand up for my beliefs, Greg. I'm going to fight to protect the children. I love it. Thank you. Yep. Hey, wait till you're 18. Whatever. We can't stop. Whatever you want to do, 18. Don't mess with the kids. It's as simple as that, really. I think I did a great job on this on the Newsmax show. Oh, and in my book. Thanks for buying it. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, how about those uh, illegal aliens on West 57th Street camping out, demanding to be let back into a hotel? Uh, why don't you take out your credit card and rent the room somewhere? Get your own hotel room. It is amazing. I just put myself... I'm going to put myself in their shoes. I break into, say, France illegally, and I go to Paris, and I demand, I demand to stay at the, what's that big hotel they like in Paris? Uh, the Cost, the Cost Hotel. Ooh, hey, do me a favor. Can we turn this on? This is, uh, uh, they're talking about the documents at the, at the, at the, at, at, at the beach house. All right? Fox has got it. This guy, Ian Sams, everyone's taking it. This is the lawyer at the White House, all right? He's about to start speaking. I want to hear about this stuff regarding the documents. And again, <laughs> really bad, really weird that Joe Biden uh, had his had his house searched today by the FBI, by the FBI. Do we have it yet? Do we have it yet? No? Why not? Come on. Oh, geez. No, it's on MSNBC. It's on that, too. Huh? Oh, well. James Flippin, welcome to WABC. Thank you so much, Craig. I appreciate the welcome. Yeah, I mean, you were walking around. I'm like, uh, do I know that guy? Is he here? Because you walk around like you've been here for 10 years. You fit right in is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm I'm not trying to be overly uh, assumptive there, but just feeling comfortable. Well, welcome, welcome. And more on you in a moment. But uh, what are you hearing on the latest on this this, uh, document thing? Uh, What are you reporting? It's crazy. I mean, okay, now it's... All right, we're going to be able to throw the switch here in a second. <clears throat> uh, one of the lawyers is going to speak about all this, uh, Joe's problems, Joe's big problems. What are you hearing? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess the breaking news is that there supposedly weren't documents found in his house. I guess that's the what amounts to news now if you don't find classified documents. <laughs> that's right. Well, this is one of the few locations that he uh, has. Let's see, where have they found him so far? His Wilmington house, the Wilmington garage, uh, his office in Washington, D.C., uh, I don't know. I, have they searched the McLean house? He has another house there. Uh, this guy is uh, he's pretty. He's either a criminal or just criminally stupid. Something now. Oh, you don't take an opinion on this stuff, though, right? Which I respect. I mean, you don't, right? That's your kind of you play it down the middle. Uh, I mean, I may or may not have opinions, but at the top of the hour, I try to keep him out of that news coverage. Excellent. Sure. We want to know, you know, we just want to know what the hell's going on and you tell us. So James, um before anything else on this, I am curious. Hey, isn't that a pretty ordinary looking beach house for a president? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I guess when you compare it to that, but you know, I mean, public servant salary, right? That's not that. Uh, did, did you look at his tax returns in <laughs> 2017, 18, 19? 11 million dollars a year for that phony book. I you know, now that I've published a book, uh Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. I know a little bit about publishing. I know a little bit about the book world. And I know about, you know, what authors sell and what authors don't sell. And ain't nobody buying an ex-vice president's memoir. Uh, and no publisher is giving him a seven-figure, multi-seven-figure advance. No way. Mm. And uh, all that income, we don't know. All right, so I'm going to give up on this, right? It's not going to happen. Oh, well, shoot. Um well, we'll find out the gist of it later. That's where you come in, James. Uh, James, where are you from? New Jersey. And uh, where? In Glen Ridge, Montclair, Bloomfield, that area, Essex County. Uh, where did you uh, go to high school? Glen Ridge High School. I went to college at the University of Delaware. You did? Mm-hmm. Why did you pick that place? 
It's kind of uh, random. I always found Delaware to be a random. Then again, Chris Christie went there. Is a Jersey connection somehow? There's a lot of Jersey people that go there. It's about two hours down the turnpike. It's kind of like a nice distance to, to go. Not to too far, not too close. Yeah. Do they still talk about Joe Biden there? I mean, they did 20 years ago. Yeah. And uh, all right. So what would you do after Delaware? Let's see. Got into commercial real estate, as a matter of fact. Uh, started working as a broker. Uh, was in Brooklyn trying to sell apartment buildings. That was 2007. The credit market had kind of like fallen out at that point. So it was a tough time to be doing that. And then what? Got into broadcasting. Went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. No kidding. I yeah. used to be on TV. Good for you. Yeah, that always yeah. seemed like an all like they had everything you needed to to succeed in broadcasting. Mm-hmm. People kind of made fun of it. I didn't like that they made fun of it. It seemed like a really decent place to, right? It was a trade school where, you know, you kind of get out of it what you make out of it. You know what I mean? They taught us how to cut tape and write copy. And Is it still in business? It not it, I, In some form, but it's not called the Kinetic School of Broadcasting. Where did you go after that? Uh, Sirius XM and then DirecTV, iHeart. Uh, all over the place. All right. Well, you got a great voice, and it sounds like you got great news judgment. What about on the personal side? You you married? You what? Are I you am. Going? Yeah. Yep. Kids? Married. I just I just got married this past summer to my husband Chris, and uh, he works here in the city, but we live in New Jersey. Have the house there, and um, you know, as far as kids, uh, looking into the adoption process now. So that's right. How did you guys meet? Online. Everybody meets online. Probably not that shocking. There used to be, let's face it, a stigma in meeting your significant other online. You'd have to come up with a cover story, you know? I mean, and now, quite frankly, it's considered weird just to walk up to somebody you don't know at a bar. You, you don't, that's just not done anymore. That's true. It's wild. We've come a long way. Or maybe we've gone back. Maybe we've gone forward. Those algorithms seem to uh, be doing a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, people are finding, <laughs> people are finding love. Uh, on the internet. Well, James, again, welcome to uh, WABC. On be- I mean, I'm, it's not like I own the joint, but you know, I mean, I'm a fellow employee. I appreciate the welcome. And uh, let's chat, okay? We'll keep in touch. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Good hire. I know him late. Who's your boss, real quick? Who who do you report to? Know him. Know him. Yeah. So far, so good? Oh, yeah. I know him from past stops as well. Oh, okay. so you're his boy. <laughs> you got, I, I, I envy you guys, all right? These guys who work together. Oh, good for you. Good for you. I, you know, I, you see that these guys, they go from place to place to place. I've never had that kind of alliance where I went from. That's that's got to be. That's great. That's great. Hey, somebody we don't hear from anymore is uh, this guy. Do you recognize the voice? Cut 36, please. We've already been through this. I think the American people would rather hear about more substantial so subjects. Well, you know, as the moderator, sir, I'm going to make a, know, a judgment when call here. Three and a half million okay, dollars right. from the Let's mayor talk about, of Moscow. Let's talk about is, I think true. it's a gentleman. That report is totally Why discredited. Did he get it? I, I, I Mitt think, Romney on that committee said it wasn't worth taxpayers' gen- money. That report it was written for political you, reasons. You know, I'd like to talk about climate change. So would I. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Chris Wallace. Wallace, as I like to call him. He will never moderate a debate again, but guess who just might? Me, Greg Kelly. Uh, Picture this. It is uh, the middle of the 2024 presidential cycle. Who's moderating the big debate? The most unlikely of duos, CNN's Anderson Cooper and Newsmax's Greg Kelly. This is Vanity Fair reporting. It's not an impossible scenario, according to a pair of recent reports about the Republican National Committee's plans for the 2024 presidential primary debates. On Wednesday, as 
the RNC met to discuss what form the first debate will look like. Um, Semaphore, which is a new website, reported that the committee is considering pairing mainstream outlets with conservative outlets as co-moderators, a regular feature of 2016 debates as well to address member concerns about bias. This is from Semaphore Editor-in-Chief Ben Smith. I like it. I like it. Let's see here. That's good. That's good. I am available. Um, I will insist that we get Budweiser out of the equation. You know the damn debate is the big one, the presidential one. The Presidential Commission on Debates is sponsored by Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch. There's a big eagle in the middle of the stage. And you think, okay, that's the American eagle. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's a beer logo. It's no kidding a beer logo. It's very – they try to make it look like it's something more, something patriotic. It's the beer logo. Look up Anheuser-Busch St. Louis. And there's a great big eagle eating hay with the wings all spread out. And it's a beer logo. They got to get rid of that beer logo. Um, the White House spokesman, they have been fully cooperative, fully cooperative with the FBI. I don't know if I'd cooperate with the FBI the way things are going. Next time an FBI agent uh, has a few questions for me, I got a few questions for him. Let me see your identification. Then I put it on the table and I take a picture of it on the front and the back. And I say, thanks for dropping by. I'm not talking to the FBI about nothing. I don't trust that guy, those guys. Sorry, sorry. Uh, That's James Comey for you. That's Christopher Wray. Christopher Wray, who will not even say, will not even commit and let us know that there were no FBI agents inside the Capitol on January 6th. He won't say it because they were. There were. Dressed as Trump supporters? Could that be? It never occurred to me until Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, would not say it. He wouldn't say it. Well, we can't reveal tactics and procedures. Oh, really? Why is it we can announce out loud that we're sending 31 tanks to Ukraine and we can give the whole world a three months heads up? We got the tanks here. They're going to go there. We're going to deliver them by this date. They're going to take this much to train. Why do we why do we divulge all of that? And not talk about FBI agents inside the Capitol on January 6th after the fact. It's not like we're putting anybody in jeopardy. We deserve to know. There were federal agents in that crowd. They could have turned it off or they could have radioed ahead. Hey, these people mean business. You, you, you need more security. You got to do something. By the way, all it's in the January 6th report. Talk about reports that aren't worth the paper they're written on. Uh, all the warnings we had about Antifa, and there were warnings about Antifa. At one point, a big a contingent of um, protesters are approaching the Capitol. I think they call it the Eastern Plaza. And the one officer there became panicked. There was one officer guarding the Eastern Plaza, a huge chunk of the Capitol. One officer. Kind of like they wanted to be overrun. Kind of like they want. And I know this. They let him inside. You've seen that. They let him inside. Why is January 6th on my mind again? Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's a hero in my book, is back on a committee, is on a committee. Imagine keeping Marjorie Taylor Greene off a committee. She was on a committee, and she has the, uh, the decency, the human decency, to try to get answers about Ashley Babbitt. Isn't that something? 
Ashley Babbitt shot and killed in front of the whole world and nobody gives a damn. Sandra. Sandra in New Jersey. Hi. Welcome back. Oh, oh, Greg, you know, I would love to see you moderate the debate. That would be awesome. So really let them know you want to do it a lot of times. Um, I wanted to say today that um, people like Nikki Haley and John Bolton, they want to jump into that race only to badmouth Donald Trump and then give their support to DeSantis. That's what I read. It's like a coordinated GOP-established effort to smear Donald Trump. And then on my radio these past few days, I'm seeing something very, very wonderful. I'm seeing Donald Trump live on videos. You know when you make the donation, you usually just see a picture of the person, and then you just don't do anything? Well, this time I made my first donation to Donald Trump, because it's early on, and, and I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i give a little bit at a time, but he was live, and it was like speaking on television, very presidential, and he was even talking about what Christine said earlier about the children and how, you know, what she said, he said, and and um, he was speaking about censorship. All right, all right, so good stuff from the president, as always. Sandra, you're the best. Anything else going on? All good? Well, it's just an effective tool that he didn't do before. It's live. I know, he's evolving, he's evolving. He's trying all kinds of new tactics and procedures and a new style even, a new style. It's still the same old Trump that we love. But he's working in some new stuff. The staging is a little bit different. And he's sticking to the substance, to the ideas. And if he campaigns on the ideas, obviously he wins. And there's plenty of room for personality as well. Sandra, thank you. And thank you. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, uh, liberals love to hide. They love to hide behind other people. More sympathetic than than they are, okay? Uh, especially, quite frankly, white liberals. Um, and the people pulling the strings in America, uh, from George Soros to uh, Adam Schiff and all these January 6th people, people who are you know, perpetuating that myth in those silly January 6th hearings, who do they hide behind in, those, in the January 6th hearings? They hid behind uh, the chubby sh- soldier. Remember the chubby soldier? Vin Min, I think his name was. You can't attack a war veteran, can you? How about the hot girl cop? Remember her? Can't attack her, can you? How about the redneck, the good old boy, Benone? The indifference shown to my colleagues has been disgraceful. That guy. Very difficult for uh, for anybody to attack him. Oh, the Latino Iraq war veteran. They, they took an oath and they should not be... Uh, elected leaders anymore. Um, But the holy grail in terms of uh, giving you political cover is a black woman. All right? This is what, oh, gosh, this is a dream. This is a dream. This is what they, oh, boy, this works the best. All right? So we had January 6th. Bad day. Bad day because it was, I do believe at this point, a, a almost scripted security failure in an effort to tar those of us who have genuine concerns about the fairness of the election. Anyway, two weeks later, they have their first uh, inquiry into what the hell happened that day, right? I mean, what the hell happened? We got to find out, especially two weeks later. You know, the dust had kind of settled. Let's find out what happened. 
So the first person you would want to talk to is the Capitol Hill police chief, right? Of course. I mean, at least the first time you talk to the Capitol police, you got to talk to the chief. Didn't work out that way for some reason. You got the Capitol Hill chief. His name is Sund, S-U-N-D. Happens to be a white man. They have him to the hearing. But he doesn't speak first. They don't even ask him any questions first. You know who they ask questions of? You know who gets to speak first? A police captain who happens to be a black woman. Her name is Carnesha Mendoza. Then there are about 200 people in the Capitol Hill police who outrank her. Yet she speaks first. And oh, by the way, she wasn't there. She wasn't there on January 6th when the violence broke out. Isn't that kind of weird? Uh... Here she is being introduced, and you're, you're going to hear from her. Cut 25, please. Cut 25. And we all believed it was important that we hear from someone who was on the front lines that day. That's Amy uh, And I'd like to recognize Captain Carnesha Mendoza of the U.S. Capitol Police. Captain Mendoza has been a member of the Capitol Police for almost 19 years. On January 6th, she rushed to the Capitol when she heard that her fellow officers needed immediate help and assumed command in the rotunda as she and her colleagues fought to push Stop back the rioters and ultimately Stop dropped. it for a second. Okay, again, you got to remember this. This is Amy Klobuchar, Democrat from Minnesota. A lot of stuff just happened. The very first person they're going to is Carnesha Mendoza, who's not in charge of the police department. I have actually no beef with her, except... She probably should have known that she was being used for political purposes. Let's put out a very sympathetic face. No one can give us a hard, no one can give her a hard time. You can't you can't ask tough questions of of this beautiful woman. How dare you? You're being used. It's happening especially in Memphis. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And this is the Greg Kelly book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Remember this from the left. Prison, jails, parole, and probation officers, school safety agents, and certainly police officers and prosecutors form the outlines of the American system of mass incarceration. This system of control is as vast and unaccountable as a Soviet gulag system that Alexander Solzhenitsyn described But in key ways, it is even worse because it is based around race. We have not ended the racial caste system in America. We merely have redesigned it. Michelle Alexander, one of the woke champions, informs us. The idea that our whole society is ordered as a white supremacist surveillance state designed from top to bottom to oppress black people in order to enrich whites received a fuller hearing from the New York Times writer Nicole Hannah Jones, whose 1619 project was a major effort to restate the origin of America's story from 1776, when the colonists declared independence from Britain, to 1619, the year that slaves were first transported to North America. The project sought to explain how anti-black racism runs in the very DNA of this country which was explicitly founded, Hannah Jones absurdly insists, in order to preserve the slaveocracy in the face of the imminent abolition of slavery by the British. Now, to say that the American Revolution was really a counter-revolution for the continuation of slavery is history squeezed through a sieve. 
Not only did the 1619 Project offer no evidence from the copious writings of the Founding Fathers to support this bold contention, but Hannah Jones is saying that all the liberty-loving people around the world who have been inspired by the American Revolution and the words of the Declaration of Independence are fools and dupes. Frederick Douglass, who was born a slave, praised the signers of the Declaration as brave men and hailed the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence. The 1619 Project is riddled with errors which have been rigorously and scrupulously identified by scholars and researchers from all political perspectives. The idea that the revolution was carried out so slave owners could keep their slaves has no basis in reality. In fact, the broad assumption in the 1770s was that slavery would soon die out. Men like our second president, John Adams, were staunchly anti-slavery. Matthew Desmond, a Princeton sociologist, claims that double-entry accounting, which all historians know had its roots in medieval Italy, was invented by an obscure southern plantation manager in the 1830s. This proves, according to Desmond, that modern capitalism's roots twist back to slave labor camps. This kind of twisted logic characterizes all of woke history. Bad things that happened 300 years ago matter more now than ever, while positive things happening all around us don't mean anything. That's all in my book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. You can get it on Kindle. You can get a hard copy from your independent bookstore, Barnes & Noble, wherever, or you can uh, order it from Amazon, of course. Uh, Where else can you get? Oh, you can get the audio version, either digitally or the CD version. It's all there, and I'm very, very proud of it. Hey, did you see that Axe guy? Remember the guy who went on the rampage in McDonald's over the summer? So he threatened all kinds of people, totally busted up the place with his axe, was out of jail. He was arrested about 20 minutes later. He was out of jail about three hours later. Anyway, he's uh, now claiming to be the victim of a hit and run. Uh, Did you see the picture of him with his cargo bike and his dog? Of course, he has a pit bull. (laughs) Look very, very menacing. Anyway, he's okay, but he's trying to make a federal case out of it. I don't know if he's uh, making it up or if it really happened, but uh, he wasn't seriously hurt. Uh, Betsy, and where are you? Hi. I'm in Ringwood, New Jersey. How do you do? I'm I'm happy to be on the show with you. I'm 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 happy you do your show. Basically, um, I'm calling to tell you the origin of the peace symbol. Uh, oh, yeah, I've heard that about an hour ago. Uh, some lady called and said it's the uh, upside down broken cross. Absolutely not. Okay. Now, wait a second. How do you know that? Because I'm a pacifist and I know the history of where the peace symbol comes from. All right, now before we get to that, I'm fascinated because I don't know if I've ever spoken to a true blue pacifist. I'm true blue pacifist. So let me ask you this no matter what, no matter what happens, if uh, President Xi orders 10 million Chinese soldiers to invade America and they start coming, uh, you're not going to put up a fight and you don't want anybody else to put up a fight. Is that it? I don't want people to put up a fight that kills people. There are other ways to do things. Well, what if, what if, there there what, are economic what, ways. Uh, World know, War II could have been won economically. What, whoa, 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 whoa. Real? I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage you. I'm just I, trying to I get it. We're going to get that. We're going to get that. I just want to get that. But seriously, like pacifists, 
Now, it's one thing to be a conscientious objector and not believe in right. war. And my, we, my we, we replied to that when, when are, the draft was are, happening. Are, yes. uh, are you, uh, I'm sorry, are you Quakers? Do Quakers sometimes? No, 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 no. I'm not a Quaker or Mennonite, but Mennonites don't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that tradition, but no, we're and not. When did you become a pacifist? When my brother applied for conscientious objector status. And during the, in what, the Vietnam War? And was, yeah. was, it a, yeah. was it a thing? Is it, be honest, was it just he hated all war or he really just didn't want to go to Vietnam? There was no way he was going to kill a human being. No way. Uh, now, if a human being is coming to kill him, would he just stand there and take it, or would he defend himself? You can defend yourself, right? Exactly, yes. All right, all right. So what's the, what's the deal with the peace? Force and violence are two different things. Tell me about the peace symbol. Where does it really come from? Okay, so it's, it's funny that, about this website called Semaphore, because actual semaphores are flags. Um, and, and when you signal from, like, one mountain to another, you use flags to spell things, right? So the letter D is one flag up and one flag down, and the letter U looks like a, a V, one uh, flag's on angle, right? So originally, after Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the um, Women's Strike for Peace and War Resisters League wanted what's called universal disarmament. So it was the U and the D. And then upside down. All right, so it's a more, it's basically a flag symbol for peace. Right. So upside down is the N and the D for nuclear disarmament. That's where it comes from. Nuclear disarm. Okay, so it's a flag saying ND nuclear disarmament. All right, uh, I buy that one too. I think you're. Uh, sounds like it's, a, it's very logical. Hey, let's go back to World War II for a second. All right, so the Japanese, you know, pound us, sneak attack uh, uh, Pearl Harbor. You think we're supposed to just uh, institute economic sanctions? I mean, I think at that point it's too late. We got to hit them back. We got to hit them back hard. Well, there, there's been wars forever, and what what is what what does it do? They're just other people who are going to kill other people. What's the point? Of you know, it? I we were talking about this earlier. I think it's almost part of the human condition. I hate war. I've been to war. War yeah. is something to be avoided. It must be an absolute last resort. Um, but I think it's got to be on the table. You know, I I saw a fascinating. Uh, episode of star trek actually i can where there's a big peace movement during world war ii they go back in time and they delay america's entry into world war ii all right so the peace movement is chugging along and we're not going to fight the war we're not going to fight the war we're not going to fight the war well guess what with uh with the with the extra resources that hitler had according to the story he was able to uh get the atomic bomb before us and then with his V2 rocket, he was able to dominate the world. I mean, there are times you do agree that there are some, I guess you don't, you're a pacifist, but you don't believe that there's such a thing as a just war? That makes no sense to me at all. All right. Can I ask you, uh, what do you do for a living? Or are you retired? Or what, what do you, what do you no, do? I, I do. I do a lot of, I do a lot of things. I work with battered women. I'm a massage therapist. I do research. I write. I do a lot of stuff. All right. Well, hey, Betsy, I appreciate you listening. Uh, we may uh, disagree on a lot, but uh, and you thank- know, I've tried. What? I've tried to find an email to write you because I don't do Twitter, and I've tried sending you stuff like about the elect, the rule on the electors and stuff. I don't know if you get anything that I've ever tried to send you. Uh, I wish there was an easy way to email you. Uh, let me ask you this. What's your opinion on the, uh, what do you, I mean, okay, you're a pacifist. That doesn't mean you're a liberal, right? Are you a liberal too? No. You're not. So do you think they screwed with the election? Of course. All right. I'm a Virgo. I'm logical. (laughs) All right. Do me a favor. Give this person a way to contact us. Okay. I'm going to put you on hold. All right, Betsy. Thank you. I I want to see what you got. Thank you very much. Interesting conversation. What an interesting woman.
And you never know. People surprise you. You know, I thought, okay, pacifist, she's got to be a crazy, uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But she's logical. Go ahead and email. Uh, and that was good. Um, mm, I'm just trying to scan. It's interesting. Oh, there he is, Al Sharpton, giving the eulogy uh, for Tyree Nichols, uh, the 29-year-old who was beaten to death by the Memphis cops. Got to hand it to Al Sharpton. He does have a way of worming his way into things that he has no business in being involved in. Can you imagine eulogizing somebody you never, ever met? Have you ever done a eulogy? I mean, what an honor that must be. And you talk about what you knew about the guy and this guy and Ben Crump. Ben Crump. Ben Crump and Reverend Al. You know, we know Reverend Al. We in New York know him. They don't know him the way we know him. We know we know about the racist boycott of Asian grocery stores in Brooklyn. We know about the horrible anti-Semitism. And maybe the liberals do too, but they like it. Is that possible? Because the more I learn about liberals, the more racist and intolerant they seem to be. And that man in a church speaking about Tyree Nichols... It's an abomination, quite frankly. I don't think he belongs there. And the same goes for Ben Crump. Ben, I'm worth $100 million. Crump. Shakedown artist. He got his start, became famous with the Trayvon Martin stuff and inventing fake witnesses. I'll have much more on that tonight. Uh, and with that, i got to take a quick break. Thank you. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, man, it's getting worse. Al Sharpton just sat down at the funeral for Tyree Nichols, and up up comes Kamala Harris, vice president of the United States, trying to make this into a racial thing. It's about race, right? Five five black men killed uh, a black man, it looks like, right? And uh, it's somehow racist. Now, if you buy that it's racist, then you buy that the whole damn system is racist. Everything about America, white supremacist, Right. That's that's if you accept that this is racist, then you have to accept obviously with the black on black, you can't write. But then the entire institution, everything, they want to burn it to the ground and start again. It's very dangerous stuff. And these weak people, zero integrity, uh, ultra greed, um, they'll say and do anything for power, especially Kamala right now. She's hanging on by a thread. Uh, they, the Democrats are, are recognizing she has zero uh, political talent. <laughs> Her friends are saying she doesn't know how to communicate. Uh, she's in big trouble. It looks like they want to jettison her. Um, a good for the, It's great to see the House of Representatives having a hearing about the border. Yeah, they really do want to burn it to the ground. We are losing our country. We're losing it fast. It's sad. There's still time, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh Don in Amityville. Hey, Amityville. Every time we hear Amityville, you know, we think about we think about that house and the horror and all that stuff. Um, do you do you guys mind that 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 comes up a lot, or do people not mention it no. anymore? No, but whenever I call you, I, I say I'm your point man in Amityville. So, uh, oh. how far do you live from uh, what is it? I think I remember 108 Ocean Avenue, 109 Ocean Avenue. What is it? It's down towards the water, and it's a beautiful house, and, uh, well, you never know. Don't right? go close to it. Don't go close to it. There are ghosts in there. All right. Well, so I, I wanted to do some reconnaissance for you, but I, I had to get permission first. Um, what I wanted to tell you was I'm reading your book. Uh, I just uh, ripped through uh, Final Battle, 
and um, about 50, 60 pages into your book. And I must admit that uh, the similarity between uh, – do you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the similarity is that um, uh, when, I, when I read Final Battle, I feel like Horowitz is talking to me. When I read your book, I feel like you're talking to me. So I'm assuming you're actually writing it yourself. Yeah, uh, I did. Um, now, I had the help of an editor – who uh, really worked with me, and, uh, you know, I'd send him the stuff, and then he'd mark it up with the red pen and this, that, the other thing. It was hard, but, uh, well, yeah. yeah. Your first shot. You got some good skills. Well, thank you uh, very much. Really, absolutely. I wanted to just – I'm going to just make it quick because I know you got other people. Uh, the, the, the Biden thing where he puts his hand on the girl's hand on the umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, I want to call it a power move because I don't want to give him that uh, will and da, but I call it a power mount because it was it's it's inappropriate. Well, it's totally inappropriate. I think a mount of any kind is more than inappropriate. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, no, you, I, I'm saying it's like a, it, it, I wrestled. It was a wrestling term. So everybody, just so you know, uh, what happened was it's raining yesterday. Obama, I mean, uh, Biden comes out of the White House. And the reporters are yelling stuff at him, so he goes over there to answer a question, but actually he has an agenda. You can see it in his face. You can see it in his face. He's, you know he has a plan. And he goes right under that umbrella and puts his hand on the woman's hand who's holding the umbrella. I mean, there's a way to get shelter under an umbrella, somebody else's umbrella. We've all done that from time to, you know, on a sidewalk when you're with somebody who has an umbrella. I never, ever, 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 ever remember to carry an umbrella, ever. Uh, I never have my own umbrella. I, I, I always lose it. Forget it. Uh, but he put his hand on that, and he, I, I, you see it in his face. He, he's getting off on it. I'm sorry, but he's getting a thrill, don't you think? Absolutely. And, it, and it's his way of controlling the conversation at the same time. But it's definitely inappropriate. I have two daughters, both professionals. One's a lawyer. One's a school teacher, And they both can box. And I tell you, one, my daughter would give him a right cross if he did that to her. Well, we don't want anybody getting arrested, okay? No, no, I just, no. I, what? That's totally inappropriate. Um, one last thing I wanted to just say real quick. Uh, I called you before on the Pelosi thing once, and uh, we talked about how this guy might have known Pelosi, and I thought it was through the AA. Um, oh, right. Affiliation. Yeah. Right. Well, if you notice, he says, I don't know him, but Pap says, I'm a friend of his. Well, we're all a friend of Bill in the AA program. And when you go to the rooms, he might have seen him in the rooms, but Pelosi never saw him. But he. That's all right. He all right. Him. But that's interesting. But let's face it, dude, as I've said before, even if they were like friends from college, uh, that doesn't mean you could hit the guy in the head. No, you know, no, no, absolutely not. But I'm just saying I'm just saying it may it may ring true. That I'm still trying to figure out why did this guy go take a hammer to the guy's. The guys, uh, I know, I know. It's still, it's still weird. There's still unanswered questions. Definitely, I appreciate it very much, Don. Thank you for reading the book. Thank you for getting the book. Ooh, uh, the legendary Barbara. Hi, Barbara from Huntington. How are you? Hi, Greg. I'm fine. I'm fine. It sounds like you're fine too. Feeling good. Sounds like you're good. Good. Um, I just, I'm sitting here reading chapter three of the book today, and it's, I've made my notes and my underlines and so forth. And I just want to thank you for packing so much in this book. Um, I've seen things which I didn't expect. I've seen a lot of things that I didn't know. And it does raise my blood pressure a bit. But I think that reading your book is time so well spent. 
And, and I want to thank you for that. And the last tidbit of many that really got to me was the one about the marijuana being sold now in New York and that who is going to sell this marijuana? Who is going to have these lucrative businesses? You point out here that the state has decided to prioritize people with marijuana-related criminal records. And then I had heard that before, but I had not heard that the state is going to kick in $200 million to help these social equity applicants, rent storefronts, et cetera. That is adding insult to injury to stupidity. Isn't it? Isn't it? And uh, listen, I'm <laughs> I'm so happy and, quite frankly, relieved that you like the book. I mean, you're so well read, uh, <laughs> and you, you know, so you know what good good writing is. And uh, thank you so much. Chapter three, by the way, is yeah, the new religion of anti racism. Uh, the book is Justice for All: How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Available wherever books are sold. And and Barbara and I think Don from Amityville both like it. That's great. Thank you, Barbara. I so appreciate it. And uh, Enjoy, okay? Um, Everything else good? Everything is good, but I have to tell you, I did spend some time early in my career as an English teacher, and I would mark papers with red pen all over, (laughs) but because that helped my students to learn. But I haven't made any red marks in your book at all. (laughs) So congratulations. You have a real talent, not only for writing, but to knowing how much to explain and when to stop so that it's it's enough to make it very interesting and informative, but not in such detail that we get lost in it. You did a really, really good job. I'm looking forward to your next book, and I'm hoping that at some point I will see you and you will sign this book to me. I know that will happen, and you can count on it, Barbara. Thank you very, very much. And thank you all uh, for listening. Uh, i got to go across the street for a second. Oh, actually, let's just get real quick. Joe is in Mount Sinai. Joe, hello, Joe. Hello, Greg. Listen, as far as you being a, a – would it would be great for you to be a, a moderator, but I'd rather see a, a debate where it's one against one and the only thing gets turned off is the mic if the – if one guy tries to filibuster or not answer a question. I don't want any microphones turned off. I don't want any microphones turned off. That's – that's the ultimate in censorship. If they want to argue and scream at each other, that's a debate. I, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, in some ways, you know, the moderator shouldn't even ask questions. It should be the issue is immigration. Talk, you know, and just make sure both sides say have enough equal time, perhaps. Hey, I appreciate it, everybody, so, so, so much. I'll see you tonight at ten o'clock on Newsmax.